Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we learned eight action items that you can take today for your real estate investments, as well as quite a few other things that were covered during a three-day conference that I attended. And in this episode, we are talking about self-storage investing. We are interviewing Chris Benson, the Chief Investment Officer for Reliant Investments, one of the top 25 commercial self-storage operators in the U.S. Reliant has completed over $650 million in self-storage acquisitions and dispositions in the last five years. Here we go. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to learn more about what you have been doing, but why don't we first get started with you sharing a little bit about you? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate the opportunity. So Steph, my background is institutional sales guy for a long time. I worked for number of companies in the medical device industry, but most recently a company called it by the name of Intuitive Surgical. Um, they manufactured the Da Vinci robot and, uh, I got into real estate while I was a part of that organization. I was super fortunate to be a part of the company. It's incredible technology. And um, I started in real estate uh, very much like many investors do. We started buying uh, duplexes in the town that we lived in or in and around that area. And uh, very quickly realized that that was going to be very challenging to scale that network of, uh, of properties. And so we ended up selling those and um, I heard or read, I think, a, I, I wish I could give credit to who I heard it from, but basically the idea was big deals and small deals are the same amount of work. You just make less money on small deals. And so I got into commercial multifamily and uh, we ended up building from the ground up a, a 64 unit apartment complex. And uh, that was the start in our commercial real estate world. And from there, we invest in a number of multifamily properties across the U.S., both passively and on the direct side, purchased our own. And then about four years ago, got involved with self-storage, first as an investor, a passive investor, and then joined Reliant, who I'm a, the CIO of now, about two years ago as, a, uh, as an employee. It's been an interesting journey and certainly learned a lot along the way. Why don't we dive into the self-storage part of your career and what you're doing right now? What are some of the things that you look for in a property before making an investment? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think self-storage is an asset class. The, the acquisition guidelines that uh, our team are looking for, we have two guys who are underwriting deals, you know, I don't want to say 24-7, but, but quite a bit. They probably see two to three deals a day come across the desk. Where we start is the market, and we're looking at very similar demographics to what you may look for for any asset class. Traffic count is a big one, you know, understanding how many cars are going by per day. And storage is interesting in that. The, the market is really the one, three and five mile radius around your facility. That's the data that really matters because people typically are not traveling too much farther than that. 
to come to a storage facility. <laughs> we don't have amenities. It's a garage. So, you know, there's not necessarily specific amenities people will travel to like they may for a multifamily property or an apartment. So, you know, population growth, job growth, average income, median household value. Those are some of the, the pieces that we're looking at to understand who the, the potential tenant may be and the strength of the market. And then, you know, a big component of it is understanding the, the competitive set in that particular market as well. So who the, who are the competitors going to be? Are they going to be, you know, institutional REITs or is it going to be kind of a mom and pop competitive set? So we try to build a story um, around each one of the properties we're purchasing. And so it's a number of different data points that we bring together. And then after it passes all of these data points, what are some of the ways that you add value or look at adding value in a particular property? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think on our side, it's different for each property that we are looking at. We don't go into a particular value add strategy and it's the same for every property. Um, sure. Step in our experience, we, we've sold 36 properties and, and the majority of those have been sold to the REITs. So we kind of look at each property with the lens of what our exit could be. And so sometimes the value add strategy is, you know, we may go into a facility that's cash flowing currently, and maybe it's been operated by a mom and pop owner and uh, they, they have some additional acreage they've not capitalized on and we may build and do an expansion. So build an additional 15,000 square feet and get that leased up. And, and obviously our goal is to try to grow the NOI on that particular property. So that could be one value add strategy. Another, um, and what's interesting about storage is that, you know, the marketplace is very fragmented. So the REITs own about 20 to 25% of the market and the rest is very much fragmented between, you know, regional operators like us at Reliant and, and operators like mom and pop shops who have one or two facilities. And usually in those mom and pop operated facilities, there's a lot of low hanging fruit to, to glean additional revenues. And so sometimes the value add is building out some ancillary income streams, like doing U-Haul truck rentals or uh, a retail component where we're selling locks, boxes, you know, those types of items um, where maybe the mom and pop operator just didn't capitalize on that opportunity. So we look at each property differently. And then as we underwrite what that value add business plan may be. When you look at exiting to a REIT, what do they look for in your properties when they are purchasing them? Well, I can't say for 100% sure because we're not the REIT, but typically they're, they're looking for a market presence in an area that they think has upside that will help them grow their portfolio. You know, if I'm a Cube Smart or a, a, a public storage or an extra space, they have significant scale across the country and they're looking for access to some particular markets where they can buy an asset that they don't have to take the construction risk on. So if Reliance willing to go in, take some construction risk, get it leased up, they'll come in and say, all right, we'll take it from here and they can be the exit. So they want to be in strong markets. And, and there's some particulars about the property itself where, you know, they want to see a certain percentage of climate controlled units versus non, you know, they want the retail office to be of a certain size and scale so that it fits in with the rest of their portfolio. 
Um, but each REIT's going to have its own acquisition criteria. And our goal is to, quote unquote, institutionalize a project so that it will be attractive to those that potential exit. Sure. In terms of technology tools, what kind of tools do you recommend new self-storage investor using for analyzing, managing, or anything else, a self-storage property? I think it depends on what specifically you're trying to do. We use a company called SiteLink, um, which is the, the operational software that our team on site is managing the property with. So literally taking in the leases, managing rental payments, you know, um, accounts payable, accounts receivable, those types of things. And it gives our operations team a pretty significant report writing tool and data analytics component to it. For somebody who's newer, they're looking to buy their first facility or, or something along those lines, SiteLink may be a bit of overkill. There's definitely some smaller software tech tools that you can use that are probably a little bit more cost-effective. Um, but when you get to scale, uh, we have 44 properties across eight states. You need something that's still a little bit more robust. Anything else that comes to mind in terms of technology tools that you guys have been using that are useful? Um, for the operational software, that's what we use. I mean, we're using a number of, of data reporting analytics type software tools on the uh, acquisition side. So understanding like market demographics, there's a couple companies out there who are doing radius is one of them uh, that's doing some, you know, self-storage specific data where, you know, they're trying to understand the development pipeline. Um, so you can go out and see what properties are currently in the development pipeline. And then also what the rent rate growth may be in a particular market. We're using those as well as part of our acquisitions opportunity. I think it just depends on, you know, the specifics of what you're trying to accomplish. There's been significant technology up or advances over the last three or four years in self-storage. And so anything that you're trying to do, you probably have a technology solution for. Most definitely. Okay, let's move on to what is happening with self-storage right now and what do you think the near future holds for this asset class? Um, are we talking about specific to what's happening with COVID-19? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say that we've been very fortunate thus far, as far as how the asset class has been affected by COVID-19. You know, typically storage is, the demand for storage is driven by um, change in people's lives. There's something called the four Ds of self-storage, D is in dogs, so death, divorce, dislocation, and downsizing. You know, so unfortunately in an economic environment like this, there happens to be a lot of all of those things happening. So. What we're seeing in our own portfolio and at a national scale is demand has stayed pretty constant. Delinquency rates have stayed really low. So most people are paying their rents. I think the, the future, as far as just customer behaviors, certainly the, the touchless lease option has been a, a big part of this where, you know, tenants don't want to come into the office and expose themselves to another human. So the ability to do the entire leasing process online and kind of a touchless lease uh, will be something that, you know, we, we've established now, but certainly for the future, I think you'll see more and more users establishing that. So I, I think the future of self-storage looks pretty strong based on what's happening right now. And, you know, what's interesting is 
through 2007, 8, and 9, storage performed very admirably um, in the last economic downturn. So if we come through this next economic, you know, whatever COVID-19 ends up to be, if we come through it relatively unscathed, I think the attractiveness of the asset class is going to skyrocket because you have two separate economic impacts uh, that the asset class has made it through untouched. And Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of capital chasing these deals. Agree. Agree. Yeah, I started taking interest into self-storage about a year ago when I learned that it's recession resistant. It's a phenomenal asset class, I think. All right. Is there anything else that is important for our audience to know? Specific to uh, self-storage is an interesting asset class. It's not a great fit for everybody because there's certainly an operational business component to it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're interested in learning more, we have a a bunch of videos on our website, educational content. It's all free um, at ReliantInvestments.com that that people can check out. And if you're interested in learning more about our investment platform, that's, that's available to you there as well. And how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, I think uh, ReliantInvestments.com is probably a great start. We're, we're pretty active on LinkedIn under my profile, Chris Benson. It's Chris with a K. So if uh, anybody's Googling around, you can certainly find that information there. Chris, thank you so much for joining and sharing some incredible insights into this asset class. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our very concise weekly newsletter. You can subscribe on our website at montecarlorei.com at the top of the page. And I would like to thank our latest reviewer, BRV Town Bite Size Gold. In the current world of one plus hour long real estate podcasts, I love the current format of this show. Each episode is comprised of 15 to 30 minute chunks of condensed and easy to absorb info for the beginner trying to understand the world of commercial real estate. I also love the fact that Steph is from the California Bay Area and we get to see her journey whilst living in one of the most notoriously toughest areas to break into the industry. Thank you so much, BRV Town. I really appreciate you taking the time to write us a review and I'm glad you're enjoying our podcasts. See you guys next time.